up for the Lord today. Hallelujah. We live in a world that is running 24 hours a day. If you don't believe it, just get out on the highway and get in front of somebody that's in a hurry. Don't know where they're running to. Most of them are running from something. But I will tell you this, when you see me running, you can know that I'm running because I have been set free and I am redeemed and I am so glad today that He has done that for me. Is anybody happy that you have been set free? Clap your hands to the Lord and give Him... You look amazing today. I think you ought to turn and give somebody a holy high five and tell them God is in this place today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I love you. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. We love you, Lord, today. We are thankful for the many, many blessings that the Lord has brought into our lives. Grateful that you are here today, Easter Sunday. What a great morning and what a great opportunity for us to worship Him as we have in this house. Thank you, praise team, for the wonderful lifting up of the word and song. And uh, we got a lot of great things that are going to happen today. When we get through this morning, we've got about four or five, I'm not sure how many, that are going to be baptized, and I don't know of a better day to do it on than Resurrection Sunday. Amen. Before you're seated, let me just share with you something that happened to a little boy. He was sick on Palm Sunday, and so he had to stay home from church, and his father returned home and had a palm branch in his hand and he said what is that daddy and his dad tried to explain to him what the palm branch represented he said you when Jesus came into Jerusalem they brought palm branches and they waved them and they laid them down before him and uh, so we did that too to honor him and the little boy looked up at his dad and said would you believe it the only Sunday I miss and Jesus shows up. Well, I will tell you this much. He shows up around here all the time and it's wonderful. It's wonderful to be in the presence of the Almighty God. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. It doesn't matter how many Easter's I've celebrated or how many times that I come to this particular thought or begin to read the scripture concerning the events that make up this particular season of the year, I, ha I still rejoice. There is still a happiness in my spirit and I pray that it will never get old to you, that God will always keep it fresh, that you will constantly be reminded. As a matter of fact, every time 
you look in the mirror, you ought to be reminded of how good God has been to you. Every time you wake up in the morning, you ought to realize that it is God that gives you breath to breathe. And He gave you a heart to pump the blood through your body. And He created you uniquely. And He created you wonderfully. And He did it all so that you might serve Him. And I want to do that today. Thank you for being here. Just a moment. I want to say to all of those that were involved in our children's event yesterday, uh, it was a wonderful, wonderful time, a huge turnout. But I want to especially thank Sister Brittany, Stan, this sweet lady, Sister Sarah, where's Sarah at? Brother Landon, we had a memorial service Friday and... So Brother Landon had to be involved in that, and then immediately after it was over, he changed clothes. They went out there. I don't know how long they worked into the evening, but if you were here yesterday, you know it was an amazing event. Next year, we're going to have an adult Easter egg hunt on Friday evening. And you're going to be surprised at some of the prizes that you're going to find. Amen. We'll tell you more about that later on. Praise God. It is my prayer today that all of us will be especially thankful for what God has done in our life, whether we know Him in the way we ought to or not. Whether you understand the meaning of this season, I think all of us that live should be conscious conscious of the fact that we are here for a purpose. And we are not an accident, we are not some kind of mistake, but we are purposely created by God to serve Him. And I would hope that before this service is over, that all of us will give a great thanksgiving of praise to the Lord for the victory that we have in our own life because of His death and His resurrection. I am here today because of that wonderful grace and I am very thankful for that late the late Dr. W.E. Sankster who was a Methodist pastor in Great Britain in the early 1900s began to lose his voice and mobility in the mid-1950s he was a very young man he would die eventually at the age of 47 But they discovered that he had a disease that caused progressive muscular atrophy. And in time, he would not be able to walk or speak either one. He recognized that the end of his life was near, so he threw himself into prayer and writing. And in the midst of his suffering, he pleaded with God to let him stay in the struggle and and, and don't I don't mind if I am no longer a general, if I can just be a regiment leader or I can be a servant. Just allow me the opportunity to end my life in the service of the Lord. And so on Easter Sunday, as his health failed and it was coming near to the end of his life, Just a few weeks before he passed away at the age of 47, he took a pen and shakily wrote his daughter a letter. And this is what he said. It is a terrible thing to wake up on Easter morning and have no voice with which to shout, He is risen. But I think it would still be more terrible 
to have a voice and not want to shout that he is risen. If you have a voice in this place today, would you lift it up in a shout of praise and thanksgiving? Come on. Yes. That's what the Lord deserves for all that he has done. Hallelujah. The world may think that we're crazy today, but I will tell you that when they caught that last out in the World Series last year here in Houston, and that massive crowd went berserk, it was so loud they couldn't even register it on the scale. And they did that over a ball that had no life on its own and could only do things when it was propelled by somebody else. But you and I have life today because He lives within our hearts and our lives. And I am not ashamed of what I am today. If you are here today and you have questions about the validity of our excitement or if there are doubts in your mind about this glorious event that we celebrate today, let me say to you in the beginning that it's okay for you to question or even have doubts. He is not intimidated by question. He is not intimidated by doubt. As a matter of fact, He invited them. Come see where He lay. He's not here anymore, but come on and investigate it for yourself. The Lord is not afraid of my doubts and He is not afraid of my questions because He has the answer to my doubts and He has the answer to my question. You are not the only one who has ever struggled with wondering whether this is real or not. But I would ask you to simply look around you today and see people that have been redeemed and understand that we have not always been this way. There are alcoholics in this building. There are drug addicts, former drug addicts in this building. There are people who were addicted by every kind of vice you can imagine. And yet one night in an altar, when and they opened their heart to God. He poured His Spirit into their life. And today they stand rejoicing because He lives. He lives in me today. Dr. Philip Schaff, a Protestant theologian of the 1800s, spoke to the doubt that clouds the minds of many people about the resurrection. He said, before we can reason the resurrection out of history, we must reason Paul and Christianity out of existence. For there is no reason for a man to do what Paul did and give his life in the service of something if it was not valid and real. The catacombs were full of those who were martyred because of what they believed and stood for. If you can't believe the cross and you can't believe in an empty tomb, then it at least believe in the people that are around you because they are alive today because of the grace and the redeeming power of God. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord and give Him praise today. The French mathematician Auguste Comte was talking 
about religion one day to the Scottish essayist Thomas Carlyle. And Comte suggested that they start a new religion to replace Christianity based on positive thinking and mathematical principles. Carlyle thought about it for a moment and he replied, Very good, Mr. Comte, very good. All you will need to do will be to speak as a man never spoke and to live as a man never lived, and to be crucified and rise again the third day, and then get the world to believe that you are still alive. When you have done that, my friend, maybe your religion can live. Well, let me tell you something. Men have tried that for centuries, but Christianity is still alive and well today. And not just Christianity, but the hope that He gives to us because he lives amen he lives he lives he lives the life of our Lord was marked by a virgin womb and the empty tomb he came into the world through a door marked no entrance and he left through a door marked no exit I'm glad that I know he lives today and my desire for all of you today is that you will understand as the men did on the road of Emmaus and as they sat when he broke the bread their eyes were opened and they recognized him for who he was I pray that when we open this word that your eyes will be open to experience the understanding and the knowledge that can truly set you free for the truth will make you free Mary turned back and she saw Jesus and that's what many of us need to do today if we're not seeing him clearly is just turn around maybe we're headed in the wrong direction amen oh if he can be seen today great things can happen go with me if you will to the book of Matthew chapter 27 and verse number 62 and we're going to read beginning there and then we're going to go to John chapter 20 and begin in verse number one you can remain seated for the word is a little lengthy reading but I feel like it is necessary for you to grasp what I want to share with you for the last few moments. The scripture says that now the next day that followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees came together unto Pilate saying, Sir, we remember that that deceiver said while he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Command therefore that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say unto the people he is risen from the dead so the last error shall be worse than the first Pilate said unto them you have a watch go on your way make it as sure as you can I love that part of that verse make it as sure as you can I think Pilate already understood that it wouldn't matter what they did to that tomb. Something was going to happen just like he said. And 66 says, So they went and made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. 
sealing the stone and setting the watch. Now go with me to the book of John chapter 20 and let's read from uh, the word of the Lord. And I'm going to begin reading with verse number 1. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark unto the sepulcher and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. And we understand that John was talking about himself and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth and that other disciple and came to the sepulcher. So they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher. And he, stooping down and looked in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet when he, he went not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him, went into the sepulcher and seeth the linen clothes lie and the napkin that was about his head and not lying with the linen clothes but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also that other disciple, John speaking of himself, which came first to the sepulcher. And notice what it says, and he saw and believed. He saw and believed. For as yet they knew not the scripture that he would, that he must rise again from the dead. Now let me pause a moment. When it says that they knew not doesn't mean that the Lord had not shared that with them, but they understood not what he had said. They did not have a comprehensive understanding of what all the Lord had already spoken to them. And so, it, as yet they had not, they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again unto their own home. And for a few moments in this closing of our service, I want to talk about the things that John saw that caused him to believe. There are four things that were left behind in, in that occasion that I feel are of importance to you and I today. Typically, we do not associate gladness with the grave. To us, the grave is a place of tears and Sadness and sorrows and loss and some that are in this building have had to stand by the grave of their loved ones and they know what I'm talking about. Seldom do we ever see anyone standing by a tomb and rejoicing and shouting and unless it is at an empty one. Amen. I believe that an empty tomb makes all the difference in the world. And it was that discovery that was the discovery of all discoveries that has meant more to the world than any other event in the history of mankind. The discovery that the tomb was empty and Jesus was alive after all that they had witnessed and all that they had seen of his brutal execution and his burial in that tomb and the sealing of that tomb. At that moment, what they were experiencing seemed impossible to them. 
Though Jesus had told them before that he must go through these things, but he would rise from the dead. None of them could grasp the reality of what that meant until now. The irony of it all is that most of those men believed in a resurrection. They just didn't believe it could happen right now. And there are a lot of people that have some kind of conception of God, but they just don't bring it into the now. That He is a very present help in our time of need. That He is here in this service today. That His Spirit moves among us and we sense the nearness of His presence because He is alive and He wants you and I to know that and He wants you and I to experience that and enjoy that new life that He has given to all. Amen. If you're happy for that new life, why don't you just shout aloud right now to the Lord and give Him praise. Yes. Oh, yes. I want to speak to you about the four things that Jesus left behind when He rose from the grave. The first is the Scripture that we read in Matthew that declares that a seal was placed upon the tomb. The seal was of the government. It was of authority. Anyone who would break that seal would be guilty of death and they would be put to death. It was something to not be tampered with. It spoke of finality. It spoke of authority that this is the end and no one is able to break this or change this event. But I Bible reads that on that morning when he arose, that seal was broken and that stone was moved away. Endeavor how they might to seal the tomb and make it secure as they could against anything happening to the body. No one could rob that grave if they had anything to do with it and assure anyone of victory. But death found out that it was not strong enough to hold him and hell became terrified at its new visitor and it could not hold him and it did not hold him and that seal was broken tomb thou shalt not hold him longer death is strong but life is stronger stronger than the dark the light stronger than the wrong the right faith and hope triumphant say Christ will rise on Easter day by and through His resurrection. I want to tell everybody in this building that He has the power to break any seal, any shackle, any chain that life may put on you. He has the power and the authority to release you from habits and addictions and sin and failure. That when He came out of that tomb... He came out to demonstrate to you and I that there is nothing that mankind or Satan or anything else can do in your life that can hold you in check when His Spirit moves into your life. Amen. I feel like we've got some people today that know what I'm talking about in this house. 
people in this building that have been behind that sealed stone and life had marked them and said you'll never be any different than you are right now you'll never be anything but an addict confess it say it I am a drug addict I am an alcoholic well I'm here to tell you I disagree with 12 steps I believe that there is a power that breaks the yoke I believe there is a power that breaks the habit I believe there is a power that enables me to get out of the tomb that life tries to seal me in and give my life victory. I would not want to embarrass anybody today, but I would think that if I were to ask for those of you that would, there would be a large show of people who would stand and say there was a time in my life when I was sealed behind a habit. I was held in check by an addiction. I was unable to break the hole. I could not get out of its grasp until that encounter with the living risen Lord. Until I encountered that resurrection power in my own life. And it enabled me to throw off those shackles. I'm so glad that He has come to set men free. And you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. Are you glad about that today? That's because of His resurrection. Amen. The second thing that I want you to notice is that He left empty. He left it empty. Look all you will. He is not there. He is risen. The pyramids of Egypt may be famous because they contain the mummified bodies of ancient Egyptian kings. Westminster Abbey in London is renowned because it rests the body of English nobles and notables. Mohammed's tomb is noted for the stone coffin and the bones it contains. I read yesterday that years ago they found a finger bone of Buddha and they brought that bone from where that they figure he had been buried and they put it and made a shrine of it and men come and look and they worship before that bone of his finger. Arlington Cemetery in Washington, D.C. is revered for the honored guests who reside there, outstanding Americans who have lived. The Taj Mahal was built as a memorial to a wife of one of India's shahs. But the garden tomb today in Jerusalem is famous not for what is in it, but for what is not in it. I'm thankful that he came out of that grave and in coming out of that grave he enabled me to come out of my grave he empowered me to come out of my tomb hallelujah hallelujah he is not here say that with me he is not here that's one place you won't find him in that tomb for he is alive forevermore the tomb is empty and it fills my heart with rejoicing because of it because he lives 
emptiness no longer can be my companion and the past can no longer hold me. Nothing that has been done in my life can keep me in check because He lives. There's not a bone left. It is empty. Aren't you glad that we don't come to a shrine today and we bow before the remains of someone who could only go to the grave but could not come out but we can come to an empty tomb and we can lift our hands and lift our voices and we rejoice because it is empty. He is alive just like He said. Just like He said He is alive. The third thing that I want you to notice that he left behind were the grave clothes. And it's interesting how Scripture speaks of those grave clothes. And I want to read it again to you. It says, Then cometh Simon Peter following John and went into the sepulcher and seeth the linen clothes lie and the napkin that was about his head not lying with the linen clothes but wrapped together in a place by itself. Now theologians have, they have pondered what all that means through the years and there's several different theories and ideas. But whatever choice you pick in, in what you think those, uh, however it was, it, it is apparent that when he came out of those clothes, that they remained in the shape in which he had been wrapped. That's the indication of the Greek text. That's what the Greek text says. That they were just as they were when it contained a body. Men had wrapped him. They took linen strips and they would wrap the body around and around and around from the feet up to the head area. And then they would take this napkin and they would lay it over the face to cover. And uh, many times they would actually tie it around under the chin so that the mouth would not gape open. And that's how they buried their dead. And then they laid the spices on top of them. But when he came out of that grave, those clothes that they had wrapped around him to signify that he was dead, he said, oh no, you're not going to put that label on me. I'm alive. And you're not going to hold me within this confine. I don't care how you wind it. There's a power that is available in God that can take you out of that as if you were never in it and leave it behind. Jesus left everything that pertained to the old creation in the tomb. And when He came out, He came out a new man. He came out a man that was alive forevermore. Jesus left everything. What struck me when I read this the other day that the grave clothes were not disheveled. They were not disarranged. They were not thrown off as someone would do if they were stealing the body. And they just quickly unwrapped and threw it to the side. But it tells me that when they wrapped those things around his body, the napkin on his head, all of that pointed to one simple fact that whatever had happened to him was not going to hold him another day. Can I tell somebody here today, I don't want to sound redundant, but there is power in
in the resurrection that will help you get out of whatever the world or life has wrapped you up in. And the whole point of the description is this, that the grave clothes did not look any different than they did when he was inside except for the fact that he was no longer there. Oh, my friend, today they were lying there in their regular folds as if the body was still there. The linens in which they wrapped his body was still in perfect bodily form. What struck me when I read that is that he left the place in order. That's what God always does when he comes into a place. He takes chaos and he leaves it with order. That's what the resurrection does in our life. It is not a disorderly. Some people look at us and think we're nuts and they we've lost our mind. We're just over the edge. We're way too deep into this. But I'm telling you when you understand that the power of the resurrection it can enable you to get out of some stuff that you were in before that held you and bound you but when his power comes surging into you you don't need anybody to unwrap you there is power within you to rise up and walk in a newness of life praise God oh my goodness he, it doesn't matter how you try to explain it some say that the wrapped and the folded napkin meant that he was coming back. I don't know if that's true or not. I do know he's coming back. But what I do know is that whatever man had tried to wrap him in could not hold him. What does that mean to me today? That God is a God of order. He is not a God of chaos. And that's what God wants to do in our lives through His resurrection is bring order into our life out of our chaos. He takes what is in disarray and He brings form into it. He gives purpose to our life. When I talked about a world that was running earlier, you know what I'm talking about. Men and women are in a hurry to get somewhere. They don't know exactly what it is. I don't even know why they zip around me and have to get in front of me so they can go two miles an hour faster than I am. I don't know what they're going to do when they get there a minute before I do. But this is what I do know. That when I run and when I move and when I live now I live with purpose and I live with authority and I live with order in my life because of what He's done in my heart. There is no trace of confusion in the tomb. When the Lord works in your life, all of those confusing thoughts, He will erase. He will remove them. There will be nothing but order. The past was left behind. And when His life comes into your life, nothing of the old life can hold you any longer. And I'm so thankful for that. And I close with this. The last thing that I want you to notice that we're left behind are the spices. The scripture says that, that uh, Joseph of Arimathea and others came to show honor to him. They begged the body of Jesus. And when they took it down from the cross, they took it to this tomb in which a man had never laid. 
And then they brought the spices, the embalming spices. After they had wrapped the body, they would lay those spices over their body. And the, according to Scripture, there was about a hundred pounds of, of spices that were brought to, to lay upon his body. Now think about that. A hundred pounds of myrrh and alloys, I believe, were the two that were used. They're very strong, uh, smelling, uh, uh, savor to those ingredients. And they brought them and they laid them so that when you come to the tomb, there's a fragrance there that's unusual that when you come now because of His resurrection, we don't have to fear the grave any longer. We can come to that grave and realize this isn't the end. It doesn't matter what the embalmer does to me. There's coming a day when His power is going to revive me and I'm going to rise again and I'm going to live again. So when I come to the grave now, I don't look at it like the world looks at it. I don't think about it like the world thinks about it. When I look at it, I realize that the spices, the fragrance of of what He accomplished that day flows all the way into this century. And it touches my life in 2023. He won a victory that day that you and I get to participate in. And whatever the, the lifespan I may live, whenever that time comes, that they put me in a grave I'm telling you there's going to still be a fragrance there that said this is not the end this is not how it's going to end there's going to be a future for this man it is odorous with the smell of victory it is sweet with the smell of triumph I am thankful today that though he died he rose again that you and I could live also in him Oh my goodness, the fragrant suggestion of those spices linger on. And I could go on, but I close. His resurrection turned the grave from a place of sadness into a place of gladness. It's now a place of song, not tears. And it is a birthplace of triumphant joy and hope. That there will be a day when the trump of God shall sound. Oh yes. Anybody have any loved ones in the ground today? There's coming a day when the trump of God shall sound and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Ah, yeah. Yeah, yes. And then we which are alive and remain. Yeah, we are going to be caught up together to be with the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with Him. Stand with me if you will. Corral is coming back. We're going to get ready for some baptisms here in a moment. But I want to tell you in closing that the angels, the angels invited them to come and see the place where the Lord lay. And in peering into that empty tomb and smelling those sweet spices and seeing those grave clothes orderly and seeing the seal broken on that tomb, It ought to thrill your heart today to know that that victory can be my victory. That triumph can be my triumph. The empty grave is flung open for you to inspect. It's come open for you 
to find out that it is real. It is true. It is altogether true. I do not claim a mere historical fact today. I claim a spiritual reality that because He lives, I shall live also. Anybody else claim that reality today? Come on, lift up your voice to Him and give Him praise right now. The crucifixion and the resurrection were not an accident. One cannot really comprehend all that it means. We can call it substitution. We can call it atonement. We can call it sacrifice. But my friend, today it's not what you call it that matters. It's that you claim it. It's that you claim it. It's that you say, you know what? I believe what I've heard. When I look in here and I see what I see, I believe what He said. And when you and I embrace it, and when you and I believe it, and when you and I take hold of it and claim it for our own, we find that the blood that He shed 2,000 years ago reaches all the way into 2023 and it washes all my sins away. It cleanses all my failures and my faults. And I stand today redeemed not by the works of righteousness that I have done, but according to His mercy he has saved me I am thankful for that precious blood and I'm thankful today that I have claimed it and if you're in this building today and you've never taken that privilege of an opportunity I'm, in, I'm encouraging you before this service is over reach out come on just reach out to him reach out to him reach out to him that he's in this place to do a work of righteousness. Come on, Corral. What he's done, what he's done.